Hello, welcome to the Love Rosie podcast, the show discussing the 2014 film Love Rosie, five minutes at a time, with Ellen Asprey and Luke Allen. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Asprey, joined as always with Luke. Hello. And today we have a special guest. We have a special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself? I, uh, sure. Uh, hi. hi, my name is Christian Ditter. I'm a director of Love Rosie. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Thank Thanks you so, so much, much for coming for on. Coming on. <laughs> yeah, it's so of course. Cool. Thanks for having me. I think it's so cool that you're doing a podcast on our movie. Uh, you know, <laughs> when I heard this, I was wow, this is amazing. So, <laughs> yeah, no, um, I'm, so I'm honored. I'm, I'm, I'm honored and flattered to be here. <laughs> so um, today we won't actually be going through the minutes. Instead, we'll, we'll just... just be asking questions. If that's okay with you. Yeah. yeah. Fire away. Sure. The listeners okay. will probably notice that my questions are like loads based on the minutes we've talked about thus far. And then towards the end, it's like no, no questions yeah. yet. But which is good because it means less spoilers for the listeners. Um, but yeah, yeah. Where, where do we want to start, Ellen? I don't know. I don't know. There's so yeah. much. So um, I've heard you mention interviews before about kind of how you ca- you came on board the project. But one thing I hadn't heard discussed as much was um, the whole casting process, um, especially the fact of it feels a very quintessentially British film, which is odd, obviously, considering a lot of you, yourself and a lot of your crew are German, it's based on an Irish novel, and the lead actress is American. Um, so, <laughs> Something um, I didn't notice, actually, for a while, until Luke yeah. mentioned it, actually. I, yeah, strange. from Love, Rosie and a couple of other things I've seen her in, I did not know that Lily Collins was American until recently. Um, so I, especially Lily Collins, who I heard in interviews you mentioning was one of your first choices. What, why did Obviously it worked out, but, but was there a danger in casting an American to play the lead in this very British film? Well, um, like Lily Collins was born in Britain, right? So she's yeah. uh, she's the, the daughter of Phil Collins, who's very British, obviously. And yeah, so yeah. Uh, she she just moved to America at a very young age, but she always like kept a foot in the door, basically, in in, in Britain, and always was surrounded by British people and had British friends and and family. And so she was, you know, very um, rooted in that. And although you know her upcoming was like Americanized, and and her natural accent is actually American. Uh, it felt it felt like uh, quite easy for her to tap into mm-hmm. that, and we had a dialect coach and all that. And so, um, you know, the great uh, Andrew Jack, um, um, who, who unfortunately passed away last year, um, but he was he was the greatest ever. So um, um, she she worked on that, but it, at the same time, you know, it it, it came quite easily uh, back to her, like the the whole mm. British uh, accent thing. And, um, yeah, and as to casting, she actually was my very first choice. And, and how that happened, like how the whole project came together is that I'm from Germany, uh, originally. And so I did like, I, I did like several, um, theatrical films in, in Germany. And then at some point, the production company asked me, uh, we, we made like a several picture deal, right? And so mm. they said, okay. We've done like a few films together now and let's do, let's do several more and, and, um, what do you want to do next? And and I was like, I, I just came off like a, an adventure movie, uh, like an yeah. adventure movie shot in 3D, uh, which was like a very, you know, big undertaking. And, you know, and it was like, number one for a while, wasn't it, in Germany? It, it, it was number one for a while, yes. And it was just, 
um, you know, like back at the time, people thought shooting in 3D might be a good idea, which, you know, it turns out not to be. And it was uh, uh, just like a, a very technical experience, like the whole film was storyboarded and in parts previous. And then when you came to set, it was all just, you know, drawing by numbers, basically. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't a lot of spontaneity. And so they asked me, what do you want to do next? And I said, well, basically, I'd love to do the opposite of what, what I just did. And, you know, just like handheld and actor uh, based and and at the same time i also wanted to you know um like like do something i haven't done before and so the company who produced the you know my german movies but also this movie it's called constantine film and they were like you know they they are very big the biggest independent producer and distributor in germany um and they are uh, also doing you know english language movies you know and are most renowned for um resident evil right mm -hmm. so um, um, them having a, a rom-com line around or in development doesn't <laughs> yeah. seem like, you know, like obvious. And so I was, you know, intrigued by that. And, and, and then also, you know, just by the, by the, by the story itself. And I found it fascinating. I said, okay, this, this, and they said, okay, this is the list of projects we, we have, you know, just anything spark your interest. And so Resident Evil didn't particularly, but this, this one I thought, you know, was interesting. And so I said, this sounds interesting. What, what's the story here? And they said, um, yeah, we've been developing it for a while, and and actually the option for the rights runs out in I think it was four weeks or something, like a very short time, <laughs> wow, very okay. short time. And if you can cast it until then, it's yours to make, right? And I was oh, like, wow. ah, like how, you know, <laughs> this is <laughs> and impossible. and so and so uh, at the time though, Constantine was shooting a movie called The Mortal Instruments, uh, which no, starred okay. yeah. Lily Collins, right? And so, like like anybody, you ask how it is, you know, and back then I didn't have any experience in, in that regard, but, you know, everybody told me, okay, it takes weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks just to get a read from agents, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and then they decide to, do they pass it on to the talent at all and everything, and that seemed all, like, impossible within four weeks, and so I was like, okay, guys, you're shooting this movie with Lily Collins, I think she's a super interesting actress, um, can I meet her? And they were like, yeah, I don't know if that's how it works and stuff like that. But then they checked with her and she says, okay, um, you know, I don't know who the hell Christian Ditter is, but yeah, you know, if, if you like him, I guess I'll meet him, you know, when we change, you know, setups, you know, in between setups on mortal yeah. instruments, basically. And so, um, and that's what I did. So I got up on a plane, you know, flew to Toronto. They, they, um, you know, asked her to read the script before, which she, which she did. And then, you know, we had a, you, you know, it, it helped that she did love the script. So we had a very, um, uh, you know, short meeting, although it did take much, you know, it did take much longer in the end than, than the 15 minutes. Um, um, but the meeting was great. And, um, so we, we, we got along very well. She loved the script. You know, we had the same, you know, thoughts on, on, on the character and, you know, yeah. where we would want to take the story. And then she said, okay, you know, if we find a great guy, let's do this. And then um, we met Sam Claflin, I think two weeks later. Uh, and, and like literally like a day before the auction ran out, Sam also said yes. And so, um, <laughs> I, uh, awesome. you know, they kept, you know, they stuck to, to the promise and with me. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's so cool. That was a very long answer to your very short question. <laughs> so I, hope you can. <laughs> I was actually going to ask, how did you cast Sam Claflin too, but... You just said it all. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that kind of explains your directing 
style, which I heard mentioned in a lot of interviews. Whereas you'll you'll see today, I had a whole day of nothing, so I watched a lot of interviews <laughs> in prep. Um, so I I noticed that you know a lot of the actors have commented, especially on your your almost a lot more relaxed style of kind of see them do it their way first and allow kind of the the interactions to happen and being watching them in person rather than watching them on a screen was that because of going from the kind of big 3 3d very controlled thing of wanting to kind of allow more freedom to the actors it's um it's a mix like like the way like i would say the my style generally on set is like not being behind the monitor but next to mm. the camera and and okay, just yeah. being being in the same space as the actors and that you know physically as well as you know hopefully mentally at least that's the that's the aim so that mm-hmm. i feel like i'm i'm part of the scene that originally comes from you know when i was at film school uh, at munich film school we were still shooting on film and not digitally and so uh, we yeah. did we did have video assist uh you know systems where we had your monitor and you saw what the camera was filming but the the you know just the resolution of these assist things was so crappy it was like i don't know what it actually was but it felt like 320 times 200 <laughs> you, or whatever would like, you say like, that would you say that film school was like worth it for you Yes, yes, I yeah. absolutely I absolutely uh, loved film school and and I you know I learned a lot for sure but you know more more importantly I met people that are interested in the same things as I yeah. am because like mm. at, at school you know I had great friends and everything but whenever I took out the camera and said hey you want to be in my short film I'm doing like, you know it was like <laughs> it was like nerd okay and and you know they they did it you know but yeah. it wasn't like there wasn't any passion or something like that no, and yeah. so that, that that was the big game changer in film school and then obviously just um you know like people you can bounce ideas off and that are in the same mind space and also just mm-hmm. the access to to technology and yeah. and and um and all that stuff yes so it was worth it on all levels but um um yeah we did shoot on on film back then and video assist systems were so crappy in the resolution that you actually couldn't you know you couldn't judge acting on it you could just see you could judge framing um but but you couldn't like really see if the performance is really there or just you know nearly there and and that's why i just i, I you know from my very first film i i started sitting next to the camera just to you know um just to see it basically and then i never changed it because i i kind of i kind of like it um i just you know like not just watching the scene but also feeling the scene if that makes any sense so yeah, no. um yeah it does so you change like genre quite a lot do you do that like just for fun or do you do that just because you don't know which genre you're like you're preferred in um, I change genre just to keep myself fresh. Like I, yeah. I, I just don't want to repeat myself too much. Mm-hmm. And I always, you know, with every new project, I look for yeah, I like for for something I haven't done before. Just because I because I did like you know I did a movie in Germany which was then followed by a sequel. Um, um, you know, and and that was great. Uh, or or like I ju- I'm just doing a show for Netflix um, called Biohackers, uh, yeah. which also you know I just finished the second season of that. We, you know, which is. Which is always, you know, great if something is successful, so that you know people want more of it. So that's very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, it is, um, you know, th- there is a certain trap of falling into like a uh, like a thing where you go like, oh, you know, 
this is what worked great last time. Let's just do it again because yeah. that's mm. automatically, you know, does it won't yeah, turn out not, well then. Yeah, yeah. You just yeah. stick into your comfort zone and not actually exploring. No, exactly. And, and and just so, yeah, and it's more exciting to tackle something new. So so that's why I'm switching genres. Well, I mean, actually, just going from that, which is your favorite genre? Ha! Huh. <laughs> well, on this podcast, I'm going to say the romantic comedy, obviously. Yeah. No, but, oh, okay. um, <laughs> no, truthfully, truthfully, um, I, I can't even answer that. Like, like my, mm-hmm. my favorite movies that I um, um, came up with are, you know, most of them are some sort of genre mix, actually, you know. Okay, um, yeah. Um, so, so like Back to the Future, which is like a time travel uh, story yeah. at the same time as a comedy, but also like you know it, it's it's a you know family uh, family uh, uh, drama at the same time. So yeah. I, I I I can't even I can't even pinpoint that so much. I I do like I do like films in general where where characters have some you know like element of truth to them and that feel like like grounded in in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but best the best superhero movies also do that. So uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Not aside. laughs> kind of it, it kind kind of leads me slightly to something which I didn't actually write on my list of stuff to talk about, but I'd <laughs> like to bring up, which was kind of how I discovered Love Rosie, which was very very recently actually, considering that we did the show via myself via Ellen, um, <laughs> yeah. which was the um. So I've, among these Move By Minute stuff, I've done a couple of shows like this with different films. And the first mm-hmm. one I did was about Richard Curtis's film About Time. Mm-hmm. Um, and having, uh, I think literally about a month after we met Ellen, I got, I, I, I basically forced you to watch About Time. And you kind of said that a lot of the kind of tonal points were quite, were, were kind of similar in terms of, you know, the, the, the humour and the, the whole kind of camera work element was there do you think elements of influence from people like Richard Curtis in working on Love Rosie yes for sure I mean I like he is he is the you know the absolute master and king mm-hmm. of of the, the genre of the rom-com you could agree and, <laughs> yes and I feel like like you know we didn't like this was what we strive for we didn't you know, strive for an Americanized version, um, mm. you know, which are also fun and everything. But but I like our benchmark in terms of, you know, just just how like the mix of, you know, honesty in terms of characters and at the same time, a little bit heightened uh, yes. uh, reality yeah. Yeah. Uh, was always Notting Hill, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. and and. Yeah, and specifically, specifically the scene uh, where um, uh, Julia Roberts uh, uh, comes to the bookstore and then says, you know, I'm also just a girl standing in front of mm-hmm. a boy asking asking him to love her. Uh, I just always felt that was so incredibly well um, written, directed, ev- everything, basically. So, um, um, and, and also, like, simple in a way. Like, uh, Yeah, she's just uh, literally characters saying how they feel, but it yes. works, yeah. And I, I think that's definitely present, because initially I was kind of thinking... Oh, you know, the shooting style and things are quite similar to About Time. I wonder whether one was influenced by the other, and then I see that they were basically both in production at the same time. It's like yeah. it's one of those lovely coincidences. Um, and you I know, if you could say likewise for Harry Met Sally as well, and yeah. also a little bit of Bridget D- Jones. We've just talked about this scene. Um, yeah, the the, the uh, one moment in the film that in in Love Rosie that whilst mm-hmm. we praise everything, the one moment that we didn't like we. Like yes. to Bridget Jones, which is weird because I like Bridget Jones, but yeah, 
Sorry, 15 minutes in and we're telling you what we don't like. That's not great. No, um, please, please. Trust um, me, we're, we're doing a podcast about yeah. Love, Rosie. We, we love the film. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's the whole bit when she's uh, doing that kind of, um, just after Katie's been born and she's doing given the kind of narration and then there's the whole bit with her kind of collapsing into the clothing rack and that was mm-hmm. the one bit that among deep analysis, you're like, does this totally fit with everything else? Obviously it does to the extent that every other time we've watched it, we've never thought about it, but yeah, that was that was one thing. Which what, do you think there were? That's a um, that's a that's a fair question, actually. I mean, I uh, I, I have to admit, I haven't watched it back recently, uh, so I mm-hmm. I don't have you know I'm I'm not like in the same depth of analysis yeah, as, right. as 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 you are right now. Um, I I do remember from post production that not. You know, as with every movie, not not every scene, you know, was exactly, you know, how, how I wanted it to be. Like some were like by far better. Uh, so or, or, you know, where where like like we, we just lucked out in, in shooting and, you know, where it was like, OK, you know, that's amazing. And other scenes where like, you know, just. It just, yeah. Yeah, just with the, you know, like stuff that happens on set and restrictions you have to fight with and whatever. I remember from shooting the scene with the clothing rack that this was like a, a very complicated day and we had very little time uh, yeah. and, and, you know, things didn't, you know, go as smoothly as, as you would hope for. Um, I, but I would have to look back at the movie now to, to, you know, to watch out for the tone, you know, if you think there's a tonal shift. I think there are some tonal shifts in there, which which I'm like, you know, which I was on the fence about even when we were doing the movie, for example, you know, to have the song Push It when she gives birth and stuff like that, that, you know. Uh, uh, that, I quite that like that, I thought it worked. <laughs> yeah, but the, one, yeah, of, yeah. One, one, one of uh, a guest we had on, a friend of ours who was a comic, got annoyed at the film because the idea of push it over a birth scene was a joke that he wrote in one of his sets and didn't realize that it had been (laughs) been done in the movie Um, but yeah i think it's 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 fascinating because there are so many moments which from the perspective of analyzing we've kind of gone this shouldn't work but it does like the whole Mm -hmm. exchange with um after, after the whole incident with the condom when she goes into the the hospital and there's the doc the doctor who's dead <laughs> yeah, i love this bit. yeah it's, it's like it it's, so yeah funny. it's like when you look at it in depth it's, you kind of, it's kind of like this is a completely different style of comedy but it works to the weird yeah. extent that i can't completely understand so i i yeah. take my hat off to you sir <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably the most british thing i, I could have said i think it yeah. really <laughs> annoys me though it really annoys me the fact that people like most people i speak to don't know this film and it's like, mm-hmm. why don't you know this film? This film, why wasn't it advertised more? It just. Well, you know, you know is, is that a question or <laughs> because I don't I, know? I, I don't even know. It, I just wish it was. It's like, more. I mean, I mean the 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 you know the difference between this film and, for example, like a Notting Hill or something like that, mm. right? Yeah. Is is that um, this film is a very small film without any, you know, like. Julia Roberts, or, or yeah. who was the big, biggest star at the time when Notting Hill came out, or or also um, 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 uh, what's his name, Hugh Grant, uh, which was the biggest British star at the time when the film came out, and so it's yeah. it's it's like you know a very comparatively small film, you know, to start with, yeah. uh, and then also just how the how the movie you know, was put together was like an ind- independently financed movie, so basically for every territory around the world. They had like a different distributor, so they they put yeah. what they did is they they took the script 
and they took the two actors and they took me and then they sold it on on you know on a market and and can right and so every country had like has people there and goes like oh yeah you know i'll take it for my country i'll take it for my country and so on and what happens is that while this works like on a, you know from a financial standpoint but but you don't have you know in comparison to any american movie you don't have or or like a british movie like notting hill which was you know i think distributed by universal so you what universal yeah. does is they take the movie and they distribute it to the entire world so you do have a coordinated campaign you have like something like a day a date release in most cases you know you do have like a poster which has instant recognition everywhere you may have a music video you have all that because it's like one coordinated push and there's mm -hmm. like millions and millions and millions of dollars put behind it whereas if you grew up you know in the uk and you saw the movie in the uk lionsgate was distributing in the uk but as a local film and not as like a Hollywood film where, you know, like Hunger Games, which is also yeah. Lionsgate, um, um, but which again gets pushed to the entire world at the same time. And so, um, and, 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 you know, just therefore the, the level of spending of, on marketing posters, trailers, all, all that, you know, is just a fraction of, of, you know, for example, uh, like these working title uh, films of, yeah. of that time. And, and I think that's, a, that explains it just because, you know, uh, yeah, you don't, you don't get, you don't get that level of, mm -hmm. um, exposure. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? It is a shame. I think a lot of people are rediscovering or discovering for the first time Love Rosie through yeah. streaming platforms now, especially. Like, yeah. I feel like there's yeah. been, I've seen on quite a lot of kind of film themed pages that people are talking about it. Oh, is it? Brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, so yeah, I, I see it from that point. And I also love the, the intimate feel of independent cinema and especially yeah. that kind of British feel that we talked about at the start. Which you do get in in Richard Curtis stuff, and you do get in a lot of other stuff. Is the it all feels just very kind of intimate and small scale, and I kind of love the fact that whether it was by choice or or by budget, the fact that you never kind of had a, a well known actor in a cameo for a scene to try and sell the mm -hmm. movie. Like it was all, you know, some of the the cast who are incredible are kind of like bit part TV actors, and I think that that's just. Yeah. It's like Lily Collins amazing. now. She's only really just become really big. I mean, she's always been quite big, but she's only now from um, Emily, Emily in Paris has just yeah. blown up. Yeah. And like, yeah. I find that, I think her films as well, I think Love Rosie will have a boost from that too mm. now. Well, um, um, well yeah, with Sam Claflin, with uh, Me Before You, I think it was um, Joanna Lumley who was just in it for like a scene. I could I could be wrong, but there's, there's a couple of moments where you're like, you're you're only there to sell the film in the trailer. Yeah, and yeah, in the trailer. I, I love yeah. the fact that that's not here because I feel like, obviously, you know, you've got you've got Collins, you've got Winstone, like they've got contacts from members of their own family who are, and I I just really love that that move and that overall decision with how intimate and personal it feels, and I think in many ways, possibly what we're saying about the kind of fact that it didn't feel so so big when it came out is that I, I think, and I think other people have said it, that this film's quite ahead of its time. That people what who didn't like it when it first came out, this now kind of is the perfect film for now. Yeah. Like I that's, film. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I, yes to all that. <laughs> <laughs> you also uh, mentioned working title. I'm pretty sure Luke's dream is to make a film for them. Yeah. That's, yeah, 
yeah, that's that's my top. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so b- before I forget, there is one very specific shot, which okay. not not the re- the mo- the rest of these are not about very specific shots, but there's one shot which a couple episodes ago, um, Ellen and I were discussing. And I gave a very artistic film studiesy reading of the shot, oh and Ellen was just like, "Yeah, just a prop." And so we want to settle this <laughs> as to whether. <laughs> and of course, you could just lie and say that this was intentional. Of, all I think the time. now because of like, yeah. the timing that you made it, it makes it even more of a like a thought that it was just a prop. But yeah, yeah. Upon upon rewatching it, I'm like, hmm, maybe this isn't the case. But it's uh, so when Rosie's first chatting uh, chatting with Alex, and it's like she's about to tell him she's pregnant, and he's off to Boston, and then she and doesn't. She's like really sad. Um, they're sat at the in in that cafe or that restaurant with the with an unlit candle, and I thought that the unlit candle kind of represented the fact that she never managed to strike that match into her own life, and that her her life is an unlit candle, um, and. Yeah, and then Ellen was just like, nah, it's just a prop. So I wanted to just see what your thoughts were on that. I, I, you know, I would love to say this is exactly what I thought, you know. Um, because, <laughs> I thought you were going to agree I would, with I, him. I, I would sound so much smarter than I actually am. <laughs> but uh, actually, it was it was a, a prop. And, you know, and the, the reason why we took that candle was just we wanted, you know, like something for her. In, as a as, as an outlet for her nervousness, you know that we could yeah. Yeah. Uh, clock as an audience, uh, while you know we would still believe that that Sam's character oversees it uh, basically. Um, mm. So so it was all you know it just came all, and that's why I, I you know I chose a candle if I remember it right that had a lot of wax that you yeah. could peel off and stuff like that. That was uh, that was the main reason, um, but I'm sure on a subconscious level, uh, you know, we were going for exactly what you just mentioned. <laughs> I, I thought you'd agree with him, to be honest. <laughs> it's yeah. quite funny. Um, it's also the um, color scheme. Yeah. I love like the the color scheme in her bedroom and like the the rose t- kind of tint. I think we, me and Luke, discussed that it was rose, like a rose yeah. tint in most like the, mm-hmm. like the sunset, and I really liked that. I thought that worked really nicely. And like I just thought it was really pretty. You know, it had a lot Thank of you. aspects of kind of artsy films. Um, yeah. Did you think you did that intentionally, or was it just because you thought it was like nice at the time? Um, you know, like so. The, so the question is how how to define artsy film, right? So mm-hmm. so um, like what what our intention was is to be um, you know honest and truthful. Yeah. And what we what we did is. Um, you know, we looked at, at pictures uh, of, you know, uh, like teenage rooms of that time mm-hmm. uh, and, and what did they have, uh, have up on the wall, what kind of music were they listening to and all that. And we tried to be uh, true to that. And yeah. and I think what also, you know, probably a lot of people associate with artsy is like handheld camera and stuff. And, and that's just something I, I like. Um, mm. In, in certain scenes, not every, not every time, but but in yeah. certain scenes where where you know acting is uh, paramount um, because that you know the, you don't you don't put bumpers on the acting and you know say okay you have to stay within this lane and you have to hit yeah. the mark uh, because otherwise you know we, we will we'll be out of frame or whatever uh, and and so so that's why a lot of times I I, I use handheld um, uh, camera. Um, and I think all that, you know, contributes to like maybe an artsy uh, feeling. Yeah. Also, we shot, we shot, we shot on film. Uh, um, oh, wow. Okay. Um, oh, really? So, 
Oh, you know what? I don't, I, that might we might have actually shot digitally. Um, <laughs> let me let me look that up because I think it was either the first film digitally or yeah. uh, that I shot or um, or. Um, Oh, Rosie. Now I have to look up how I did my own film. That's that's. I I, I was reading the production notes today, and there wasn't anything one way or another on on that. I don't know where I found the production notes either. I just found them on the internet. Uh, point. Oh, we, we, <laughs> we we filmed it on Alexa. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. Okay. So we did shoot it digitally. Oh, but now I remember. We did shoot it on Alexa. Uh, but what we did is we shot like some scenes on film at the same time because what we did okay. is like we. Like, uh, uh, um, the 3D film I did in Germany before was like with a mirror rig, right? And so mm -hmm. we, we had like a mirror rig, like in testing, basically, where we shot scenes with a 35 millimeter camera and with a Alexa camera mm -hmm. and then, um, you know, matched the look and matched the, the grain and all that, you know, from the Alexa material to match the film look. And, uh, and we uh, shot digitally okay. because it's more affordable or it just started to become more affordable. Uh, but we did add like sense. grain and stuff like that to match the, Match the look, and even I can't yeah. see the difference anymore. <laughs> so that's why I was confused. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. No, I, um, I love I love most of this. Um, I also wanted to mention like the one shots. You had really yeah. smooth shots with the pregnancy, and also when Alex uh, found out about the baby and he walked into the house. Mm -hmm. I and the sex them. scene as well. Oh really? Oh, yes. oh really? Yes. Oh okay, yeah. Yeah, oh, with Greg. I love, yes, I, I love them all. I thought yeah. that was such a smart mm. idea. I'm a big fan of like one shots, kind of really smooth just like flow i really like that because it makes you feel like you're there and i yeah i really like yeah. the, the decision thank you no I, just, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say anymore <laughs> yeah um when we can move on to the pregnancy as well um okay yeah one oh, thing the baby we, the yeah, baby kicking. one thing which okay. when we were actually doing the analysis we started to wonder was the the, the baby kicking um mm. how how was that Done. If you remember, if you remember, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Uh, so that was um, a rather complicated setup. So basically, that we had like an, um, it was complicated and simple at the same time. So we had like a plastic belly, right? Or it's not not hard plastic, but like yeah. you know rubber foam material, which Lily had on uh, on her stomach. And um, so I wanted her to connect with the baby in that scene. And, and, you know, my wife was pregnant at the time. And so, oh, wow. like, for me, that was always, like, a very abstract thing because, like, I'm the guy, right? I don't carry the baby inside me. And so I, I see, obviously, uh, the body change. But, you know, mm -hmm. it, 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 mm. it, it, like, it, it still feels, like, surreal before the kid's actually there, you know? And, and so the first time I... I connected uh, 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 with with my kid was when I, you know, saw the kid having a hiccup uh, in the belly. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Because that's oh. that's just, you know, that's just such a human thing, you know, mm. and, and, and it's like, it, and it, it made it super specific for me at that moment. And, and that's why we put that into the script that, you know, she lies there and the baby has a hiccup. And so basically I happened, you know, I had a cell phone video of my wife, you know, when I asked the kid was having a hiccup in the tummy, you know, because I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then, you know, being the filmmaker I am, I just let me film this. You know? <laughs> so, so I, I basically, um, I showed that to my crew and said, okay, you know, let's, let's replicate that. Yeah. And what they did is they, they had this belly and then they put like a, a, a balloon, like a normal, you know, like a, like birthday balloon 
and put a, 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 um, a put a tube on it and then like a guy was sitting like just a frame with the tube in his mouth and he like you know blew <laughs> air into the tube oh, and wow. so the balloon inflated uh, yeah. and and so it was like human controlled and looks human and not mechanical um oh, but okay. that's that's the whole trick yeah see i, I honestly oh. thought it was someone like poking it yeah yeah stomach up but that's what i thought <laughs> that's quite funny that's really cool no that makes a lot yeah. of sense i really like the idea of having the hiccups especially more now mm. because you said that like, that's just yeah. sweet <laughs> yeah and i think from what you're saying about the male perspective i think that kind of does help us kind of male members of the audience i don't know why i'm speaking for all men here but <laughs> the, 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 the actual being able to to kind of see it I, I think is is so helpful because I know it was it was a conversation that we had slightly, wasn't it, Ellen? Where you I kind did of said say that, that it kind of put me off. But it put you off, whereas from my perspective, was, knowing that yeah, it's something I'd never have to experience, I was like, I feel oh, it's like, so sweet. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of scary because you're like when you're a woman's pregnant, it's it's kind of like an yeah. alien, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. You're holding. Yeah. This thing it looks like the to... beginning. It looks like an alien just before the alien breaks out, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 you know, I, I didn't actually make it for the male perspective specifically, but, you know, just for the character reason that mm -hmm. for Rosie, because she's still of the mind that she gives the baby away. Right. And so, so I, 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 I needed some device to be like, okay, you know, she actually builds a connection to the unborn child. And then, you know, you know, when the baby then comes out and does yeah. actually have a hiccup that just, yeah. you know, that yeah so so that was um that was the thought behind it to make her connect um yeah yeah what was the plan before that because obviously it changed didn't it um, um oh i i don't remember what was in the script originally um yeah. it there, there was like and also in the novel there's this beat where she keeps the baby and i i think it might be influenced by the family and and, oh, and okay. re religion if i remember correctly mm -hmm. because you know it's set in ireland and they're very yeah. catholic obviously but um I don't. I I would have to lie. I don't remember how how it originally was, but yeah. Um, um, yeah, we just wanted to make it very primal, um, like gut gut decision. Yeah, I think I think thing. that was the best thing though, because you were talking about like the budget and kind of how it was a small film. Yes. Would you be okay telling us what the budget is? Because we can't actually find that anywhere. Because normally it comes up, doesn't it, at the bottom of uh, like the, the the Google screen. I mean, yes. Do you remember what it is. <laughs> um, I who I again I I don't remember the exact mm -hmm. number, but I think all in it was around you know ten eleven million something like that, you know. Ooh, yeah. So yes. wow. that is really low. <laughs> low. Well, you know, like well, I, for, I just yeah. Yep, I mean, it depends. It depends from where you're looking, right? So, so like, you know, from my perspective of my German movies, which were all like, you know, except the 3D one, all like four to five million, that's a really high budget, yeah. you know? But if yeah. you look at whatever, How to Be Single, which was like 40 million, um, mm -hmm. it's like, it's really it's low. It's crazy how much money is in it. It, it just doesn't make yes. sense. Yeah. But yeah. it's um, it's actually surprisingly similar to I I keep making the comparisons to about, about time. time about about time was twelve million and so, uh -huh. yeah I kind of and and it, obviously about time does similar stuff as what you're saying about the camera work as well like John Gulliselian's mm -hmm. camera work on about time is quite similar to Christian Rain's here with the kind of, with the handheld focus mm -hmm. and it mm -hmm. it is an instant way of almost subliminally feeling like you're watching a home video and it's yeah yeah I, I think that's amazing um was there anything 
in the novel that you really wanted to have in the film but couldn't quite make fit? Because obviously the novel spans over nearly 50 years and the film is 12 years, so there's so much that you had to to cut. The, the biggest the biggest thing you know from you know from the novel to screen was that we didn't want to recast the actors so we didn't want to have different actors for different ages mm. you know except you know these short moments where they're like kids kids right yeah so and that's that's the main reason why we condensed the time frame and and uh and because i you know obviously there are movies that you know spend generations and they you know recast the actors and i always have the feeling as an audience member that when i you know fell in love with the character as I should and then they you know switch them halfway on me it's always it's always like bummer (laughs) yes and I do feel like people you know from their you know late teens and you know young adults until their until their 30s pretty much look the same and 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 so so that was that was the main reason to condense things and then obviously the novel is um uh, you know I if I remember correctly we we changed some structure we just left some stuff out uh, uh you know okay. just to just just to condense it uh and then the leading principle was always you know to stay true to the spirit of the novel and you mm. know stay true she to the tone did, yeah yeah and 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 also you know um we talked to cecilia ayer and like she she was like not part of the script writing process but you know i sent her the script uh, you know when we were like in a, in a position where we thought, okay, you know, this is this is something we could could run with now, you know, from our end, and you know, and made sure she was also happy with that, which she which she was, and you know, luckily she's also very happy with the movie. So um, um, I feel I feel we try to you know just to distill it uh, to a movie version, um, I, but I, I don't remember well too because you didn't Thank really you. miss you didn't miss um, like huge important things out. Like everything that was important, you fitted in, and I think that was a good thing. But I also love that it it leaves that extra bit. So going from yeah. watching the film to reading the novel, uh, mm-hmm. well, I think I had an audio book of the novel, but I was going through it in in prep in prep for the show, and I was mm-hmm. like a third or half of the way through the novel, and I was like, oh, the film bit's over now. I don't know what's going to happen next. And it was <laughs> it was so great to have that uh-huh. that extra bit. Um, and yeah, it, it is it is fascinating. Could you ever see a world in which the story is continued on in a sequel, or do you think let it lie? <laughs> oh, you know, that's an interesting question. I've never asked myself that because for me, it's not you know, it's not a franchise or something like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, um, right. um, you know. Having said that, I do love the characters, uh, so I you know there is. And and by the way, I also love the you know the the supporting characters like Ruby and all all, mm, all these yeah. all these guys. So you know, if if somebody wanted to build a franchise around it, I wouldn't say it's not possible. I I just like I've, I for me, I ended, like, yes, yeah. I feel that stories that's a good place. Yes, and I feel that story is told and yeah. yeah. I think if, so you, if you tried to do a sequel, it would just drag on a little bit to the point where... Yeah, you'd, you'd have to have Alex it, and Rosie separating again. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. yeah, it'd just be annoying. And who would want that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would... It happened mean, too many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's quite fascinating. And I'm, I'm so glad that that things like this can just stay in their lovely condensed form. But there, there were definitely mm-hmm. elements of the novel where I was kind of like, oh, I would have loved to have seen this. Like, yeah. obviously, um, there's, there's a big focus on 
them and uh, their former teacher, Miss Casey, who we yes. see for about two seconds in the film, I think. Yes, uh, yes. And there's but, yeah. also like there's also like a bigger focus on her daughter kind of repeating her story with. Yeah, uh, uh, which I guess uh, if if there were to be a sequel, that's what would have to happen yeah. is it would yeah. it would be Katie's story. Yeah. Um, and the weird thing about that, Ellen, is I realized today that Katie, it, the actress who plays her, is now two years older than us, That's which is oh, so wow. strange. <laughs> so, wow. Um, so there we go. But uh, yeah. This, yeah, this also goes on to the brothers. What mm, happened yes. to them? They just they were in it for a bit and then they just went away, just disappeared into thin air. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's like you you know that I mean obviously it, it depends on you know it depends on the kind of movie you're making and also what your storytelling philosophy is. Um, um, you know, obviously the the classical thing I'm sure you learn at film school as I did is you know every character needs like one, two, and three. So you introduce them, you know, they have some sort of development and they have some sort of conclusion and everything. But you know, I I I feel that's while that's true for most parts and and certainly the more you know commercial or broad a movie is the more important it becomes but you know when you look at real life you know a lot of the times like like you know like my sister for example she just moved out at some point because she was older than me and so if it was a picture she would just be literally out of the picture from that moment yeah. uh, on yeah. you know it and, definitely and also feels more real <laughs> Yeah, and also from her perspective, you know, I was out of her picture too, in a yeah. way. And obviously, yeah. yeah, you know, we still, you know, like and call and and see each yeah. other. Um, but it's you know what happens to her brothers is just not relevant to yeah. the story we are telling about Rosie. Uh, and so I I just thought, why keep them in? Why keep it? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Because I guess we we kind of move on to Casey and um, her best friend then, don't we, as well? And that kind of moves away from it. So that, yeah, no, I understand now. That makes sense. All right, you can say yours now, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, so you managed to get, like, an incredible soundtrack for the film, I think. Mm-hmm. And, that, like, that's something which I'm I'm constantly kind of loading up, like, YouTube playlists and stuff of the soundtrack, because... I, I'm very, very. I don't know whether you'd know this at all, but I'm I'm very, very confused by the soundtrack album, for the fact that okay. there's evidence that it exists, but also so such a lack of any of it. I think I've seen one copy for sale for about seventy pounds. That <laughs> it's just so uh, uh, really odd. That like so, yeah. I actually don't know because I I do have the soundtrack, so I never you know I never wanted to buy it uh, um, 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 uh, recently we did bring out a soundtrack album uh, I don't know where it was released because again it's like the you know just the setup of the movie that it's like released by a different entity in any different you know in different countries it might be that the soundtrack was just released in Germany or in the UK um, I I actually don't know I also don't have the CD with me here right now so otherwise I would just look it up um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm consistently it, keeping my eye out online because is it like on so iTunes and stuff? Um, the the uh, so the, the the score is on iTunes, but the album yes. artwork suggests that it's got elements of the some of the you know the soundtrack songs on it. It does. It does. That's not that's not on iTunes. Weirdly, so it's it's, me... it's, a, it's a fascinating enigma, really. <laughs> Let me look up. Let me because I do have it in my in my iTunes. I think so. Maybe it says 
um, you know, because I purchased it, so uh, or you know, I have the CD, uh, so yeah. uh, maybe that's why. But um, can you not find mm -hmm. these songs individually? Uh, you can do, yeah. Which is what I'm going to end up doing, I think, is I'm going to just yeah. create like a Spotify playlist with all the songs, because it's oh. it's. I, I just um, love the soundtrack, um, and even Rosie. the. So yeah, uh, you know what? It's a German. It's a German release. So here yeah. I see it. It's it's, it's called. It, it has the whole playlist. So what it has, it has like, it has uh, the last uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten tracks are a score from okay. Ralf Wegenmeier. And before that, I read you the playlist really quick. So uh, I'll Never Fall in Love Again, Son of Sam, Al Alone Again, Life with Grace, yeah. Take Me to a Higher Plane, Get Me Back, I'm Confessing, Tiny Dancer. And then you know the the uh, yeah. the score. That's the album. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Yeah, and what one thing which I noticed actually this time round was um, the inclusion of two Lily Allen songs that kind of bookend married life for Greg and Rosie. Was that kind of a deliberate move for you to have the, the same artist either side of their their marriage? Uh, no, I just liked Lily Allen at the time, and I love <laughs> and I love that F you song, uh, um, and 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 so mm. I, I just thought where it were the right songs for the right moments. You know? Oh, they it would. definitely, yeah. definitely, it's such would. an empowering scene, and as yeah. it is with yeah. with littlest with littlest things at the at the wedding, it was literally only this watch round where I was like, hold up, they're both by Lily Allen, and that's just it it it's it's amazing, and yeah, I. It's it's such a fascinating film, and I I love how literally as soon as Ellen got me to watch it, my I think I messaged you literally like two or three days later, yeah. being like, "Can we do a podcast on this?" Because <laughs> they, I feel like there's so much to explore. When I um, first watched it, it was like a really late night, and I remember watching it and just bursting into tears right at the end. <laughs> Especially oh, yeah, and you, and you don't cry well, half as much then. as I do at films, so that's <laughs> a real. <laughs> they really really got to me, and then I introduced it to my sister, and she loved it. Yeah, she's obsessed with it too. And then Luke. Yeah, and now we're trying to convert. A few the years world. later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll as, it's it's so we said earlier that it feels very very British, but obviously the mm -hmm. novel is very Irish. Was mm -hmm. that when you the, the first script that you read, or when you first came on board, was it moved over to England at that point, or what it did was. it have the Irish feel? No, it was it was moved over to uh, Britain already. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't even know why, to be honest. Um, um, I just you felt... filmed in Dublin that it's so kind yes, of fascinating yes, to me. Yes, we, we filmed in, in Ireland and, uh, a little bit in, in Toronto, uh, in Canada. We, you know, all the Boston parts yeah. were filmed in, in, in Toronto. Um, no, it was, it was moved over to, and I, you know, frankly, I read the script first and then the novel. So I didn't even know when I read the script mm. for me, this was like an English set you know yeah yeah uh, uh, an english set a film and this is how i you know how how i first you know imagined it when reading it for the first time and this this is basically how it stayed uh, and the reasoning behind it i don't know maybe maybe because you know cast or or maybe because you know it's just like a a bigger market than the irish market yeah. i i yeah. i don't know yeah see um, i wouldn't have even recognized the fact that it was irish until doing the podcast so uh, yeah. interesting but I actually really like the British aspect of it. I, I think mm. it, I think it works. Honestly, I, I have nothing bad to say about it. 
Is there a place geographically in England that you believe Rosie does live? Because that was the, the couple of bits of the landscapes where I was kind of watching this time around, being like, "Oh, I wonder where that's supposed to be," or is it just kind of anywhere? Um, you know, you know what? We did figure that out in prep, uh, and I have to say, I forgot it. But we we did like with our production designer, we did say, you know, was it south? Because also, because, you know, of accents and stuff like that, I, I yeah, learned so course, much. You know, yeah. being being in being in German and everything. So we were like, okay, we need to like locate this quite specifically so that the accents match the you know how it looks like and all that stuff and we did pick a spot and i don't remember yeah it probably is quite southern when i'm thinking about uh yeah i I was like thinking south southeast if i remember correctly but i don't um yeah yeah I mean, I it's hard for you to sure. remember. You've done so much since, and also yeah. ages ago. So, <laughs> yeah, we're aware. It's, it's, that, like... it's, it's very funny for me. It's uh, and fascinating that you are, um, you know, you have a much fresher memory of the film than than I have, and I obviously yeah. have, you know, like my my active memories are all more like from the set and yeah. you know from from the editing and all that stuff, and not not as much from you know the the finished film, which is mm-hmm. like a which is like a moving thing also for me because like every edit is different and you have test screenings and you change stuff and so on. And, and then you land on the final version and then you see it two or three times. Whereas, you know, the previous versions you've seen, you know, you yeah. stop counting, you see it 100, 200, 250 times. Yeah. And then the final version you see like a handful of times, you know, because yeah. you just finish it right before the mm. sound mix and, you know, color timing and all that. And so... um yeah, it's really interesting to have this and conversation. It is, it is such a different experience because even just from having like I've I've you know I'm not pretending I know what I talk about. I've I've made a couple of shorts and that's it. But it's like mm-hmm. it, it it is so fascinating how people watch the film and they you know they get the story they're invested. But as the filmmaker, you don't get that experience because you're watching it and you're remembering. Oh, that was the day we had a struggle with weather. Or, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> yes, the day yes. where the sound was messing up, and it it's it's so hard to kind of separate. Yeah, you kind of remember and, the worst parts, I guess. Yeah, probably. Which is, yeah, okay. and the best parts too, by the way. I, I do remember yeah. both. Uh, yeah. You remember you remember the ex- like what you remember most is the accidents, the lucky ones as well as the, you know, yeah. not so lucky ones, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's always those annoyances in the edit as well. You're like, "Oh, I wish I'd just shot that angle or I wish I'd just asked them to deliver that slightly differently." But then I think I heard someone say once, "Once you make a perfect film, where on earth do you go from there?" <laughs> it's like yeah, you always I But I've always been told that even when, like as a like obviously I'm not a director or anything, but apparently you're never happy with what you do, and you always come out hoping that you did something a little bit different, and nothing's ever perfect. And I feel like you just end up living with that and just. Yeah, yeah. you know, I think that's I think that's partly true because you know there's yeah. like also there's also like you know for example in Love Rosie like the whole like you know going back to the hiccup and baby yeah. we were like. The scene was planned so differently because the baby was, you know, was supposed to be in the crib. And then, um, you know, there was like a whole, like we had like visual effects supervisors there to make the baby hiccup in post-production, all that stuff. And suddenly, you know, the baby came to set and we weren't even ready to shoot yet. And the, yeah. the crib was not lit and the, 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 the tracking points were not added and all that <laughs> stuff, you know. And suddenly the real baby started to have a hiccup. 
And I was like, Lily, it's Lily, Sam. And, you know, Sam was like with the bagel in his mouth and Lily was somewhere at the catering table. And I said, come quick, you know, the baby's having a hiccup. And, you know, we didn't have time to, to do all that. And, you know, and it was just a lucky incident. And so he said, yeah. okay, it's, you know, lay down on the mattress because it's next to the window where there's some light, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I think it's a much better scene for it, you know, first yeah, for the reality. Yeah, it makes it feel so, yeah, so real. I was wondering I was that ask, when I was watching it. I was going to ask yeah. about the hospital, like, how, like the reason you opted for the bedroom instead of the hospital. I feel like it makes more sense that you did it there in the bedroom. It's like, uh, like more intimate and stuff. Oh, yes, 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 yes. The birth scene, yes, that's... Um, I don't even. I, I just. I just wanted to keep it in the family. Uh, yeah. You know, the, like the whole. The whole situation. Um, uh, and you know, and have the family around also. And and um, um, uh, yeah. But but the. Yeah. But the other thing, like the the um, you know, the, like when when the baby is actually um, you know, the, she lies there with with um, you know with a hiccuping baby. Um, that just yeah. That just happened in the moment, basically. That's so perfect. It's it's, it's <laughs> so, so good. Yeah. It's so incredible. Have you got any advice for like people that want to go into film? Because obviously your experience, like, because obviously uh, me and Luke want to go into film, but yeah, you know, we're yeah. Just kind of in seventeen. I mean, like, like you know, uh, I I feel I feel there is no, you know, I know a lot of uh, filmmakers, um, you know, myself and my friends, and you know, from film school, but also now, you know, professionally. And everybody has a different story, you know, like mm. everyone, everyone, like somewhere at film school, not all, um, um, you know, somewhere like, um, you know, like, like writers and then, you know, turned directors, uh, some, you know, some did the other way around, you know, they directed, but then they got, went like, okay, you know, that's, that's not for me. That's, you know, yeah. uh, I, I like writing better because, you know, for whatever reasons. And so I feel like the best advice, um, I could give is um, just just you know do what you are most passionate about in yeah. that moment because the reality is that you can't like in this line of profession you can't plan for the future and and even yeah. you know if you have a if you have a career and you know I I don't know what the hell I'm doing next year you know and so mm. so um, uh, but I know what I want to do so so yeah. uh, so it's like. Um, uh, I just, you know, when I was when I was a film student, I did like a short film uh, at film school, and that traveled pretty well to festivals and stuff like that. And so I was at, at a festival here in Los Angeles, actually, the AFI, and there there was like a, a, a master lecture with James Mangold, right? And so I went I went up to James Mangold. Uh, it was a hero for me at the time, and still is. And I was like, okay, you know, I I I want to do an internship with you, and he says why would you want to do that? And I said, because I want to make movies and I want to learn from you and whatever. And he said, you know, the best way to learn to make movies is just make movies. So why don't you go yeah. home and make your next short film? And I feel that's, you know, very true. And, and um, I personally, I learned so much with every project I'm doing um, and because, um, uh, you know, I haven't figured it out. Uh, and, and it's, it's like, you know, hopefully you get better with, with each, yeah. each film and and especially now where um you know compared to like 
like when I was at film school and was like a big undertaking to make a film, like because you had to get the film, you had to get, you know, processing, you had to get the labs, yeah. you had to get like the sound studios to squeeze you in and some night shift and whatever. And then some, you know, big movie came along and they were like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, uh, we can't do it tonight. And you go like, okay, I'll be back tomorrow and says, no, no, be back in two months or whatever, you, you, you know, and now, hmm. and now it's so, uh, accessible and everything so it's really it really comes down to what you know what you're having fun with and what you want to yeah. tell and what you want to do and then you know just go for it um yeah that's like it kind of um it worries me because i get quite insecure about a lot of things that i do especially mm. like when i want to kind of express something that's like my art like i find that quite difficult um because i do i do find out at a level and i struggle showing my people my work obviously because i want to go into film that's very you know you show people the work because it's ent like entertainment and i don't know i feel like sometimes that can kind of get you down because you're worried about i don't know just like you're not good enough and like i find that mm -hmm. a lot even though i've got the passion i still sometimes worry about that as well and just not being like being able to fully express myself and i get worried about that quite a lot i mean here's the thing like like you know, like you're never going to be good enough for some people, like, yeah. like whatever you do, whatever art you do, mm -hmm. some people are always going to hate it. And, yeah. and I, and I wish I could say, I don't care. <laughs> it's because yeah. it's not true. You know, like if yeah. you get like, whatever, if you get a review and there are like 10 reviews and eight of them are good, you focus on the two shitty ones. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, especially uh, because oftentimes they hone in on something that you yourself were like, yeah, you know, I, there's some element of truth to that, you know, something, something you were unhappy with or whatever, yeah. but you know, like you kind of, you, you, you kind of have to just ignore that because uh, like, especially now, you know, when you look at, you know, when you like the whole Netflix thing, right. Yeah. So I like, a lot of things on Netflix, I, I, I don't get them. I'm like, why are people watching this? But then again, there are a lot of things where I go like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. And, and then, but there's like for everything that I find cool, there's another person who likes what I, what I dislike, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, and you just have to, uh, you just have to do something that you like and, mm. and have faith that there are people and it doesn't need to be everybody but there are enough people that share your taste mm -hmm. you know so so that that yeah. or your sensibility or or you know yeah that 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 gets something out of you know whatever art you're creating and and i think then th that's a success right there you know mm -hmm. um yeah that'd be cool thank you yeah for that <laughs> um so i mean ellen do you have any other questions or should we go to our well, i was gonna say if you have any other oh, projects yeah. and you need like a runner someone to tie yeah. you up give me coffee <laughs> please get in touch honestly flight to germany you. and we'll be you know <laughs> i'll happily fly to germany I've always, I've always wanted to go there so <laughs> i keep that in mind no uh, of course <laughs> um i've got nothing else to say other than what's your favorite film that you've made or tv oh. show whatever what, what's your favorite? Oh, 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 that's that's super hard to say. Yeah, I was gonna say that's super hard to it's say. Like, it's just like saying who's your favorite sibling? Out yes, family, yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, I I can't. You know, I would if I if I could. You know, like somehow. You know, quantify that, but but the you know every 
every project I've made is dear to me in, in like in general and also in specific ways. Mm -hmm. Um, um, so, you know, what I'm always most invested in at the moment is what I'm working on right now, just because that's, that's just the nature of it. Um, um, but I'm, I'm fond of like everything I did so far, you know, luckily. And so I'm not, not ashamed of any, any, anything so far, except for maybe some short films the world will never see. Um, so, um, 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 we'd love to watch them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I like, like love Rosie for sure as a, like a big place in my heart, just because it was like such a, you know, such a great experience to make that movie. And there was really like a very strong camaraderie and, and friendship, um, that lasts so today, you know, with, with the actors and, you know, some of the crew and, and, and that was just, um, you know, was just delightful, uh, experience and, and not every film is, um, but yeah. you know, if you, if you just look at the finished uh, films, I, I, I have to say, I like them as siblings all, all <laughs> equally. <laughs> That's so good. So, on the topic of films we like, um, we asked our listeners, uh, before we move on to our film of the week, we asked our listeners as our question each week as to what their favourite romantic comedies are, excluding Mm. For Love, Rosie, uh, because that would be very boring uh, to have that repeated. Um, So, yeah, Ellen, do you want to read some of them out and I'll read other answers that we've had? I can. Okay. So, Brian has put Natural Born Killers... Um, uh, Simon put Mike and Molly. What is that? I, I know that, before. but I haven't. I I've got it, I think, but I haven't seen it. Um, actually, no, I haven't. There's another film with a similar title. No, I'm not aware of that one at all. Um, the next one I've seen. <laughs> oh, okay. Jim O'Kane put that thing you do is one of the one of the better ones. He doesn't fall in love with Liv Taylor again every time you see that film. I don't know that film either. <laughs> I've only seen I've only seen it the once, but I really like that thing you do. Um, this is quite funny about... because we've asked about like romance films, and this is like the only really romance comedy that I've loved. Most of the time, I don't enjoy them, um, and I'm more of a kind of psychological horror thriller kind of person. So this is I don't yeah. Know I feel like these. we're swapped gender roles. I'm like I really like a good light light relief <laughs> rom com, despite not being the target audience, and you're kind of. I mean, we yeah. we have crossover. Like a lot of the films you like, I do like, but they're not my my go tos. My go to yeah. is always something nice. I enjoy simple. all films, honestly. I can't... yeah. There's something you can get out of most films. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric says uh, when Harry met Sally, which we've talked about uh, today already. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually rewatched that today um, because it's just a great classic film. Um, uh, Paul says it used to be Annie Hall. Now it's Bull Durham. Both of which I still haven't seen. I need to watch Annie Hall desperately. Mm-hmm. Have you seen um, any of these? Yes, yes, I've seen Annie Hall. I've seen uh, When I Met Sally. Obviously, I've seen Natural yeah. Born Killers. Um, yeah. Yes, uh, all great films. Uh, I, I, I think. Yeah. Um, Duncan says Broadcast News. Uh, don't know that one. I don't think. Um, D- Doris says Working Girl, um, and Austin says Groundhog Day. Uh, which is one I see. I feel like I watched agree. Groundhog Day a little bit late because I find I find like a lot of films kind of go off that trope of going around in a circle. Yeah, and like, mm-hmm. I watched it a bit too late because it was one of the first ones that did it, wasn't it? 
it, it, pretty I much. I think yeah. it was the first, like the first one I was aware of for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, um, a, f- a friend of mine actually watched Groundhog Day every day for a year. So oh my that's, God. that's commitment. <laughs> uh, shout out Robert. He, he's the exact producer of this show. So if you're listening, Robert, shout out. The um, <laughs> Alan, do you want to read some of the others that we've got? Um, we've got Johan. He said Hitch. Um, and then Brian again, he put Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Interesting. Yeah, that is an interesting one, isn't it? Um, Elliot says Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, if that okay, counts. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, oh, yeah. I, I'm not sure I, if that's a romantic comedy per se. I think it's more romantic drama. But No, I think it does have comedy aspects. It has comedy elements, yeah, I guess. It's been a while since I've seen it. And, and I think then... the to- yeah, the tone is rom-com. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess it kind of gym, plays with rom com tropes. It's very romantic. It's very romantic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, Anna says Bridget Jones's diary, uh, which is a good choice, despite the fact that we used Bridget Jones as a complaint earlier on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Bridget Jones no. is yeah. But yeah, thanks to all the listeners who've sent in theirs. Uh, Christian, outside of uh, of any of them, what's what's your favorite romantic comedy? My favorite romantic comedy, I think it's Notting Hill, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, yeah. it would be a tie between When Harry Met Sally and, um, um, and Notting Hill. Oh, you know, now that I think about it before sunrise, um, it's also, uh, like all time favorite uh, up there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel, um, like, I feel like the ones that have been said are the same as me, probably like yeah. this one. Yeah, no, no one said love Rosie, I like, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no one said about time yet, so I'll, no. I'll chuck that in there. Uh, but <laughs> clearly, I've not crossed over the audience with two minutes about time <laughs> for this show. But about time, if any of the listeners, have, despite all of my ramblings, have not seen about time, <laughs> it's lovely. And if you're a fan of Love Rosie, you'll be a fan of about time. Love Rosie's just 100%. about time tonally without time travel. Um, so, uh, um. I know, Ellen, you haven't got a film of the week because uh, each week we discuss a film. Yeah, I said I haven't been able to watch feature films recently. I haven't got the time. I've been so busy and I've had my, my theory test, my car theory test today. I passed. So Congrats. Thanks. <laughs> so I've, got, I've just been so busy and like school and stuff. So hopefully going to get back onto the ground of watching features. Yeah. Um, I watched a surprising amount this week. Um Despite being busy, I've been in the, the zone of having things on in the background while working. Um, so I've been revisiting a lot of my favourite films, but I think the one that I'm going to talk about briefly today mm-hmm. is Sunshine on Leith, uh, the musical with Songs of the Briefly. Briefly. I will be briefly, um, <laughs> because it's it's I can't even... It's stupid because I can't even remember the plot enough to explain the plot, but it's just a sweet thing, and the Proclaimers music is always great. And I think it's quite impressive considering how much the internet has memefied their biggest hit of uh, I Will Walk 500 Miles, that in watching it, they sing 500 Miles and I tear up, which I think is is quite impressive considering how well known that song is. Um, But yeah, Christian, have you seen any good films this week that you'd like to... I've, I've seen I've seen only one film this week, uh, um, um, uh, but it's really good. And um, you know, I've, I've looked back at it for lighting, actually, for lighting reasons. And it's not an obvious choice because it's an animated movie. It's Tintin, uh, Steven Spielberg's Tintin. Oh, yes. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's incredibly well lit uh, because it has this, you know, um, um, very naturalistic. Uh, you know, it's animated, but has this. Yeah. 
very naturalistic, uh, but still film noirish uh, uh, lighting to it, which um, I, I looked at for for like a project I'm I'm working on. So um, and I just want to skip through it. So I just wanted to go like, oh, you know, I remembered one or two scenes which I found interesting, which I just want to um, wanted to check out, and then I I found myself just keeping keep watching, uh, and I, I forgot I forgot now how, how and because I watched it when it came out, which must have been like what ten years ago or something like that. So um, yeah, when it came out, I was the target audience, so I haven't seen it outside of like being a, a kid when it came out um, yeah so i'm looking at it now i knew stephen moffat wrote the screenplay i did not know that edgar wright and joe cornish worked on it as well and i didn't know the cast i'm gonna have to revisit this um, yes <laughs> great lighting great shots overall very entertaining and and uh, not a film you revisit automatically i think but but <laughs> you know very entertaining when you do so yeah, yeah. Is, that, is that your film of the week that's well that's the only film i've seen this week so, okay. so is is that so, the rule? Yes, that's the rule, yeah. right? Um, yeah, I okay. think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't uh, really have any rules, honestly. You could say, considering you hadn't been on, you could have just made up a film, and we wouldn't have known. Um, but yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for for joining of us. Of course. Here. Yes, of um, course. Great. Thanks um, for doing this. I love the dedication that you dedicate so much time to to you know this this small movie. Uh, it's <laughs> such an ex- such a surprise that it comes back uh, years later, and and you know, it's a surprise uh, that you actually messaged us back yeah that was that was insane in itself <laughs> yeah it was I, of I, course. I can't remember what i can't remember what you were doing at the time alan but i remember like i, I we got the message and i was just consistently trying to call you being like christian De- wants to come on the show but you you weren't <laughs> and uh we've, we've had to hold off like not hinting at this at all for our listeners so for the yeah. listeners to know for like the last like three or four episodes we've we've had this in the back of our minds knowing that this is coming um, but yeah, it's been it's been lovely. Obviously, Christian, if you end up speaking with any other cast and crew who may be interested in coming on, then please forward forward them over to us. We'll um, do. We'll do. To talk to anyone um, involved, be yeah. it you know set decorator to stars to whatever we anyone we, we <laughs> want to speak with, <laughs> with anyone to. about this. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, where can our listeners find you on social media if they? Um, if like I'm uh, at Christian Ditter on on Instagram and and Twitter. Twitter, I you know I I, I log into Twitter like once a month or something. So uh, I'm the same. You know, I'm the same. Don't worry. <laughs> so so like the easiest uh, to message me like you did is uh, at at Christian Ditter on on Instagram. And they can find us all on the at Love Rosie podcast. Um, I think it's just the Love at Rosie, Love Rosie pod, pod at Love Rosie at pod, Love Rosie pod on Instagram. Yeah. And Twitter, and I think Facebook too. Yeah. And you can find our personal accounts via those. So if you want to check us out there, you can do so. Brilliant. Yeah. Um. And and Christian, do you have? Uh, because we obviously asked all our listeners what their favourite rom com is. Do you have mm. any question you'd like us to ask our listeners this week? Literally about anything. <laughs> <Very frequent. laughs> they, it's quite wow. difficult to get answers sometimes. Keep it simple. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, we do. We do ones like these and get like big ones, and then when we, when yeah, you we know what, what you know what what I would what I'd be interested in is what what are they like? What would it take for them to go back to movie theaters? Like like what is it? You, you know, versus versus watching watching streaming. Okay. Like what kind of movie? What kind of movie? Definitely go with that. Thank you so much, Christian, for for coming on. It's been so lovely and surreal thanks. to be able to chat with you. Thanks for having me, and it's uh, been incredible. thanks for doing this. Cool. <laughs> it's okay. Thank you. Thank you. And I wish you all the best with all your other projects. 
Thank you so much, and and good 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 luck with your uh, you know with with everything you have cooking and your future path and your movies and um, yeah, I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll keep following you. So I'll I'll, Thank you. I'll see Thank what you happens. Much. That means yeah? so much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, all right, guys. Enjoy the rest of your night. Cool. Bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See you. Bye. 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 The Love Rosie podcast theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of Reprise from the Love Rosie soundtrack, originally composed by Ralph Regenmayer. The Love Rosie podcast is produced by Bottle Productions and is distributed by Lemon Drop Studio. For more podcasts and blogs, visit lemondrops.com.